Now in partnership with the new Westport Library and Quick Center for the Arts and iTunes, it's Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Trace Burroughs. And me, Mix Burroughs. And um, back again for the first time <laughs> is uh, Kathy Malkin, Animal Muse. Um, we said it back again for the first time because we our first attempt at this podcast uh, didn't go as planned. So we're happy to have her back. Uh, and um, is, is a lot to talk about. And uh, anybody who has an animal or ever did have an animal or plans to have an animal, knows somebody with an animal. I mean, it's the most probably the most shared experience in the world, wouldn't you say, Kathy? Animals? Absolutely. I was recently out to dinner with some people I didn't know. We were all going around the table introducing ourselves and I chimed in. Let's introduce our, our animal families as much as our human families. And people would say, well, I have an eighth grader at Staples and a freshman at college. And then they went into, well, and then I have a golden retriever. <laughs> and at so, that point, everybody went, ooh, ah. Yeah. Nobody said that about the kids. Yeah, and yeah. Once we started describing our animals, it's a very universal, common denominator that we all love animals for the most yeah. part. Not everybody, but I hope those who are listening to us today. I, I love to see like like on YouTube when they have two different species that get together, oh, like it's a dog and a turtle or a cat and a, <laughs> and a, and a vulture. Or yeah, a llama and a squirrel. I, yeah. I always like, I find it very inspiring because they seem to get along and how come we can't, you know? Yeah, and they're more different than we are. I mean, we're just color difference, you know, maybe, yeah. or, you know, but yeah, and they, there's animals, you know, right, a horse and a, and a, and a, I don't know what else, a, a, a muskrat or something. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. what they're, and they're, they're, they're always cuddling and doing, it's great. But. Well, and they share the common language that we do, which is telepathy. Mm. Um, I call it the universal language that unites us all, but telepathy, which means feeling another soul or spirit over a distance is the first language that we're born with. You know, if you think about how do moms and their infants communicate, or you got a mama kitten, a mama cat and her kittens, or a llama and their, I guess, mm. I'm not sure what they call baby <laughs> llamas, but they, but they're all communicating at that level um, through our heart to heart telepathic connection. And they also work on reading energy because we're all energy. Mm. And so when it feels peaceful and safe and calm, then they're going to come together. When they're feeling danger, well, then we all go into fight or flight and out we go. But the animals, I love, like you said, the inner species, like a golden retriever who's nurturing a bunch of baby pigs. Yeah, yeah. Or... Yeah or that the horse and the, the cat hang out together. And I do think that the animals are leading us and showing us the way in terms of just how to be animals and how to peacefully coexist with each other. And that's not to say that if you don't have a, 
I don't know, a tiger, they're not going to go and get prey to eat, but there's an understanding you take what you need and you mm. kind of peacefully coexist. People call me and work, you know, and explain that they may be worried about letting their cat out at, during the day, at night. And I explain that I feel that there's inherent risks, but many times cats that go outside have a very interesting symbiotic relationship, if you will, with wildlife like raccoons and skunks. That's not necessarily to say that they'll get along with the coyotes <laughs> who are yeah. at the apex, yeah. but there is a certain understanding that everybody has to exist and that they can help each other. Just like if you think about, I don't know, when an animal dies, there's, you know, the vultures and the different animals that help that carcass return back to the earth. Yeah. So like when you, uh, so you um, tune into someone's pet uh, long distance, how do you, you, you have the pet's name. So in your mind, how do you start the connection? Is it just like saying their name in your head or how do you focus internally to make that connection with their, I guess, th thoughts? Well, I've been doing this professionally for over 20 years, but I really, it's a place you live. It's not a place you go. Now that's not to say in the beginning, I didn't have to do a lot of things to quiet my mind open my heart and be comfortable in receiving different information. But the truth is we're doing it all the time. So everybody has an energetic fingerprint. And when people call me, I mean, now I get pictures, but when I first started a long time ago, there was no internet and no pictures. Mm -hmm. So I just need a name. I usually ask how old, the species of animal, how old they are, and how long they've been with the person. And then I just go with the impressions that I receive. And it's really the animal's person when I translate for the animal to confirm what I'm getting or validate it. But I'm not doing anything the two of you can't do. I've just really focused on that aspect of my, my life to develop my intuition and my telepathic abilities. So it is a, I mean, it's a gift of some sort, but right. But what, what um, when did you realize whether you had a gift or whether you had an inclination for this? I mean, when was it as a child? Did you just have a special a relationship yeah, with animals? I did. My parents thought I was going to end up being a vet, veterinarian, but I ended up going a different path after my, my dad died when I was a teenager. Mm. But my mom was very much into animals. Many people, longtime Westport residents may uh, remember my mother, Lisa Connell, who was the ed longtime editor of the Westport News and the founding editor of the Minuteman newspaper back when we had yeah. actual newspapers. I knew your mom. Yeah. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. And she very much believed in animals, was an animal advocate. And she really instilled in me that animals are individuals with thoughts and feelings. 
So when I ended up coming across Penelope Smith, my mentor and friend and pioneer of the field of animal communication, there was something that resonated with me that knew that I just knew this is what I wanted to be when I grew up. Not that I've grown up at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, my mom instilled it in me. And then I had the opportunity to study with Penelope Smith and apprentice with her. And I haven't looked back since I started doing this. It's, it brings me tremendous joy and it just feels so good to be of service of the animals by giving them a voice and translating for them so that they can be better understood. They are, there shouldn't be a false hierarchy. We are not smarter or more intelligent. We should be working in partnership with them. And that's something that I try to help people see that animals, they, they know what's going on hmm. on a level sometimes more than we humans and it's time that we see them as intelligent beings so on, on your website it says um you can even communicate with smaller animals like uh like hamsters or guinea pigs i guess is what is there a, so they have brains but is there a cutoff point where animals the small you know at one point some animals just have a ganglia of like nerves and they're what would be called their brain. So what, is there a cutoff point in, in, in regards to, uh, I'm not this, I guess the size of the yeah. animal. Like a salamander. Yeah, there's a point. Yeah, is there any- yeah, No, I hear what you're saying. And I'm not communicating with their brains. I'm communicating with their spirit. Mm. And all beings are animated, living beings are animated with spirit. So what I do is a spirit to spirit connection and language. And I really believe part of the lesson, specifically our pets, but animals are trying to get through to us humans is that we all are connected. We all are one. And we need to start listening more with our heart center, not so much with our head. So it doesn't matter what species, I mean, I facetiously like to say I communicate with all species but humans <laughs> <laughs> but that really isn't the truth the truth is that I really am able to help people with the help of their their animals by communicating with them or offering them Reiki which is spiritual energy for healing yeah. Oh, interesting. Your your mentor was Penelope, and and from time to time during this interview, we'll flash to uh, in in the YouTube version. If you're listening to the podcast, this is also available on YouTube. Uh, my cat Penny, uh, who I videoed sitting on my lap. We couldn't arrange that here live, but um, anyway, th there's pictures of Penny that will pop in and out. And I had an issue with um, <clears throat> when I had to go away getting choked up no I, had a shoot. <laughs> I went away a couple months ago for only four days and I came back and Penny was like near death and I had a, someone taking care of her feeding her she was sending me pictures so I know she was doing it and um anyway that it, it, I had one uh vet tell me that that was just bunk there's no cats don't have separation anxiety 
she must have been ill. But anyway, I had her checked out. All the tests were negative. And the only thing left was that she, you know, it sounds weird for me to say my cat missed me that much, you know, but is that possible? It's absolutely possible. And I've had this a similar experience with my cat Elvis, my little Siamese. I came, I lived, I recently just moved back here to Westport after living in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area for 30 years. Oh. And I remember flying out here and Elvis, he was very attached to me and he did not do well. Hmm. He, he went to the vet. We, the vet thought maybe he had this or that, but in the end, he, he just missed me and he got really depressed. And that's what I feel um, happened with Penny is you have a hard time leaving her. She has a hard time with you leaving and it was just overwhelming. But I do get from her that she doesn't want to stop you from traveling. It's just she wants you to recognize that when you do travel, you're not separated. And that's the thing that we humans think is if we're not physically with somebody, we're separated. But the truth is we're always connected to each other. And it's important that we believe that because it really helps support our animals, especially those with separation anxiety. Because mm. we've gone into separation. Where did you go there thinking? <laughs> Why are you feeling like, yeah. and, and it, it can be very uncomfortable for the animals. So I think it's important to know that yes, Penny missed you terribly, but she also doesn't, well, maybe a little bit wants to keep you hostage and have you never <laughs> the house. Yeah. But uh, it's, it, it's something that you can work with her and something that I do as an animal communicator is help people when they do have to leave their animals so that everybody is peaceful about it and not anxious and worried. Because I cry when I leave my animals. I'm a big baby. I just... I, it's, it's very, very hard not to be with them, but I have to trust that we are because it's better for them and ultimately it's better for me. What, um, so when I was married, uh, my actually my wife's the one who used to get all the pets and stuff, but she had a small dog. She, she was very attached to it and it to her. And every time she'd walk out just out the door for a second empty the garbage or do anything it seemed like the dog thought she disappeared is that what dogs think like as soon as they don't see you they don't know when you're coming back they don't because uh, this dog right. would go crazy yes i mean that can happen especially if we're not telling them we'll be back in a minute i'll see you in an hour we have to communicate with yeah. them what's happening but dogs specifically because they're pack animals and they're dependent on us, usually as their leader, a lot of times they just don't know what to do without their leader. And that's <laughs> a dog dynamic. So it's important to give a dog a job or to you know, tell them to go to their spot, if you use a crate, but give them something to do other than to pine for you and worry. But it's the nature of dog to do so. I mean, that's partly why when we uh, walk out and come back in five minutes later, they act like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in ages. You know? 
but yeah. it, it's something you have to work with with certain dogs to help them feel safe when you leave the house. I wish my girlfriend was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that's right. We take it for granted that, oh, you know, I'm going in the kitchen now. Oh, we, you know, she's in he or she's in the kitchen. She'll be back in a minute. The dog, it's like, yeah, you vanished. It's like a magic trick. You just vanished, you know. Yeah, know. And what am I supposed to do when you're not here? So dogs, we created dogs in many ways to do jobs and to be of service. Mm. And so it's important to give them a job. And I'm, I'm raising a puppy right now. And I work hard at teaching him that I can walk in and out of the door and there's no need for panic, but it's a process. Some days he's better about it and other days he just gets sort of ornery that I'm not taking it, but this is life and he's got to get used to it. I would try to console the dog once you leave, even if it was for two minutes or now it's, you know, play with him or try to get him distract him and he would he wouldn't have it for more than 10 seconds he would be off like freaking out you know? yep and sometimes that's it's hard and you gotta desensitize the dog or the animal um and that may look like going in and out of the house 15 times putting your coat on sitting down and working to build the fact that the dog feels safe and confident when you're gone. That's partly, and some people may not like this, why using something like a crate or what we call an X-Pen, which is sort of a playpen for a dog, is important because when we give dogs too much space, it fuels anxiety. Hmm, interesting. That's, that's interesting. They start spinning. And they the more they move, the more anxious they get hmm. versus... This, when you put them in a crate, they have no room to go, so they can settle down. That's not to say all dogs are comfortable in crates, but it, for me, it's my one of my best friends raising this puppy. That's an interesting take. I used to feel, I had a dog once, and I, I always felt so cruel. I didn't leave it in the crate all day, but, you know, occasionally, and it seemed, it, it seemed to like it or take to it. It never resisted, and I, I, never, I never realized that it was a comfort zone for them well you're not a dog so you're probably not a dead animal <laughs> but and i don't believe in keeping a dog crated all day and all night i mean for a few hours here or there during the day my dog sleeps in the crate but that's partly because one i don't want him to get in trouble at night and two it's um, one of the rules that my cats have laid down. <laughs> I have 20 year old cats. And before I got Yogi Bear, it, I was told very clearly that the dog was not allowed to roam at night. And they're right about that. The puppy will get himself in trouble. He'll do, he'll make a puppy decision, which could be a, you know, a really bad one. So it's up to me to keep him safe. But dogs are dead animals. Having his own space in a den mm -hmm. area should come normally and again that's not for every dog but most dogs yeah but i don't expect you to be a dead animal mix <laughs> he is kind of a den animal though, yeah. in the studio is. there yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> true it's uh yeah no i have become kind of a hermit um uh 
so I, I want to know a little more about Reiki. I, a long time ago, I had somebody, I tried Reiki. Uh, I don't know why it was suggested, but um, I think I had leg pain or something. And But the woman never touched me. You know, it was, you know, just hand like a few inches above me. And, and it was kind of a very, you know, mystical looking thing and is is that the way reiki works and how does it work on animals well reiki means spiritual energy in japanese and we're all made up everything is spiritual energy mm. the clouds you me the animals and what we do as reiki practitioners is we share that spiritual energy and light that helps people and animals go into a deep relaxation and in that relaxation comes the inner healing because all healing comes from within. So Reiki for humans and Reiki for animals, Reiki is Reiki. But the way I practice uh, Reiki for animals is we never lead with our hands. The animal is always in charge. If, for example, I was at your house, Migs, and I sat there and started to offer, because I don't beam or mm. do anything, I offer or share Reiki energy, Penny recognizes it immediately she, because she is Reiki. And she will choose whether she would like to be touched during the session, or maybe she wants to be next to me, or maybe I don't even, I may come to your house and never see her. Mm which is all up to her because one of the basis of animal Reiki is the animal is in charge of participating at whatever level they want, the same as with communication, and they can take what they need. It's an ebb and flow. But we don't start with our hands, but as a human, we are very hands-oriented, and many times we feel much better offer you know being offered energy mm. through hands but the truth is when i do reiki and we do reiki for animals it's a radiation of love and light out from our hearts then for example i was at the shelter the other day offering reiki to one of the shelter animals and after sitting oh this poor cat was very traumatized she had just come in and, but after sitting with her and sharing Reiki for about 20 minutes, she then came over and asked for me to rub her. And mm. then I put my hands on her only in the way that she asked for it. And when she didn't want my hands anymore, I stopped. So you're like a conduit for the energy, right? I am the energy. You are the energy and you're just put, put, putting it out to the... The way I look at it is we all have an inner spiritual light. And what I do is I, I've been, after many years of practice, peel back all the layers of the onion, if you will, to my core. And what I do is I share love and light. I radiate it out like the rays of the sun. And the animals recognize that energy, walk in and out energetically to take what they need for their own healing. So I support them in that respect. Now, this is a question I've heard of, you know, it's com It's not just Penny, I'm sure, because I, there's jokes about it and cartoons about it, but um, 
Oh, there was actually a great diagram. I forget what cartoon. It was a cartoon diagram of a cat. <laughs> and it was like one of those sections where they section off beef, like this is the sirloin, this is the leg. But anyway, it sectioned off and it was all about touching. And like the tail was don't, you know, don't you dare. And then the back was okay for a little while. And then, you know, this part was, you know, blah, blah, blah. And on and on. It was so funny because each part had its own tolerance level. But so I will be petting Penny, you know, and she's purring. I just pet her from the head, like down her back and, you know, and she's purring and she seems to love it. And then she'll turn around and bite me. Oh. Now, I mean, not heart, not she doesn't draw blood, but it's a, it's like a, now, is that just saying, okay, enough is enough? Or is that a love, a love? Or is that bite? a love bite? Like she's a. She's, it's a yeah. My sense from her is, is I'm feeling a little too stimulated. Oh, okay. I, and I need your energy is getting too intense, and I need you to slow it down or give it a break. And I know, for example, with my cat Mona who's sitting here, I always start with a finger, and mm. then she shows me where she wants it and i watch her very carefully because if i pet her someplace she doesn't like she's not going to hurt me but she's going to let me know is it true one thing again a lot of cats seem to do is um is there a gland because if on her own she comes up to me she you know will push her head or side of her face against my body or my arm or you know, nuzzle in there, but it's always the sides like this, you know, is there something going on with, with yeah. cats and that? Mm -hmm. They're scent glands. They're scent glands oh, and okay. she's marking you. She's putting her scent all over you, Meg, saying you're mine. You're oh, all I see. mine. Or for example, some cats you walk into the room and they just come up and start rubbing up against you. Hmm. They're, they're placing their scent all over you. Oh. And okay. it feels good. I mean, it's also they enjoy. So, it. so when you would talk to all, you also talk to deceased animals. Do you have to like, like do some kind of ritual to conjure them to get their spirit to come forth? Oh, yeah. or Are they just always there? There. They're always there, and sometimes it's hard to know. Let's say you called me about an animal. Oh, my dog just oh, stole my my slipper. <laughs> Those yogi bear um, <laughs> but um, when it comes to deceased animals like I said we're all spirit first and we then animate a physical vessel so I don't always know if I'm talking to an animal that's alive or in spirit I'm just talking to the spirit usually people will tell me up front but I don't always I don't always know um, but it's the same um, for me, talking to a live or deceased animal. What I do is grief counseling and grief loss for pets, partly by giving the animal and spirit a voice and allowing them to help heal their person who is, you know, grieving and feeling lost and maybe even disconnected. But even though they leave their body, they were they don't leave us. They end up being one in our hearts. Because again, they're about heart connection. Now, do you do work with and you know the other side of it is the owner dies and really is gone and is never coming back, you know? And then, then the, the animal, I don't know, obviously. Uh, yeah. 
issues? How do what? Yeah. Well, they are going to miss their person in the physical, um, but they are more aware of that energy and can see spiritual energy better than we can. Mm. So it depends on what their situation is. I mean, hopefully all of us who have pets have made um, arrangements for them. God forbid that they should outlive us. Mm. But they, they recognize when we're dying. They're more aware of it. I know like in a multiple animal family, people with an older animal, people will ask me, well, does my other dog or cat know what's going on? And the answer is absolutely. They're more aware of not only the dying process, but on many levels, they're much more comfortable with that process and understand the life journey that, you know, we're born, we live, we die, we come back and we do it again. It's a mm. process, our spiritual journey. To me, one of the most, um, I don't know what you'd call it, moving pictures, if it's real and not staged, I assume is when there's a picture of a dog on the, on the, on the master's grave. Usually don't yeah. see cats doing it. Maybe people don't bring cats to the cemetery, but yeah. is, that, is, that a, is that a real thing? I mean. Well, yeah. I don't know how many people bring their, their dogs to the cemetery, but I do think that animals grieve just like we do. And if they're very close to their person, yeah, they're going to miss them. Now, whether they actually go to the grave site where that individual is buried. Yeah, well, I think I a spouse, I, I, you know, the premise is maybe one of the spouse, one spouse has died and the other spouse visits the grave and brings the dog with well, them. The dog knows that they're, I mean, they can read our minds. Hmm. They see pictures, they feel our energy. So when the spouse says, we're going to go um, see your dad hmm. at the gravesite, she's already told the dog what's going on. That right. And it's important that we communicate with our animals just like we're communicating with each other. For example, Trace, uh, you know, I'm explaining to you that I'm going to go um, do X, Y, and Z so that you understand what's going on. So in the same, you know, Megs, you actually have to leave the house once in a while and you say, hey, Penny, uh, I'm going to an art reception. Uh, I'll be gone a few hours and I'll, I'll be back. And she appreciates that versus just walking out the door and not telling her anything. Mm. You know, those stories about cats and I don't know if dogs do it to have traveled 3000 miles, like the owners move. Now, how does a cat, because they can't smell the scent. You, I'm they actually, there's stories of them going across the entire you know, United States. How, how, do, how does that happen? And dogs do it. I've heard stories for dogs too, yeah. who have traveled long distances. I think they do it energetically. Like I mentioned earlier, I believe we all have an energetic fingerprint. And I believe that they pick up on that energy and it's like, a, you know, a tractor beam. Yeah. And they just go for it and take a, a chance and a risk. That's amazing. It, yeah. It's absolutely fascinating how mm -hmm. but they speak to our connection 
of our interconnection and interrelationship. If they weren't connected with the people, they wouldn't be able to find them. Right. And I also feel that with reincarnated animals, you know, we have to, mm. if, if, we, if our animal does reincarnate and come back to us, we have to recognize they found us once. They know where we live. They're <laughs> going to find us again unless we somehow get in the way or the universe energy is very fluid. Sometimes things shift and change. Wow. Well, time flew by. Um, we haven't talked about birds, but I'm using a bird metaphor. Fly, time. <laughs> uh, any last, uh, any, anything you want to leave the audience with? Uh, you know, if you had to say one, you have a pet and the one thing they should. What's the name of your website? Oh, yeah. My website is animalmuse.com like the musing of the animals. I believe animals give us divine inspiration. And that's partly why I call myself an animal muse. But the other part of it is animals muse. They have musings. Hmm. They have thoughts and feelings. They, they are poetic. They are uh, masterful at meditation and all sorts of different things that help us remember who we are because we are animals and we're spirit first and unfortunately we have a very powerful ego that helps us that helps fight against that but if i could leave anything with with your wonderful listeners is feel all the love and appreciation in your heart that you have for your your pet or an animal and just feel all that love radiating outward and just be still and listen. And you too will hear the musing of the animals. Wow. It's really that simple. I'm gonna try that on people. Simple but deep, yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> well, and when we do, when I find the more I can radiate love and light out, whether I'm with animals or people, it affects how they respond. Yeah. And I really believe that believe we need too. so much love and light right now to help with, with the imbalance of the darkness. And we're mm -hmm. going through energetically a really challenging time. And it's the animals are going, hey, this is the way. Mm -hmm. Higher vibration. Let's get to that love vibration. And let's move things to a... Uh, a better space well, maybe I shouldn't say better that's a judgment but we certainly all function better at a higher love vibration and with climate change and animals going extinct and everything else to me I'm listening to the animals in my heart because I feel like that's going to show us the way well and then on a better, yeah. more positive note. Thanks so much, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Okay, bye.